Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Welcome, friends, to another amazing episode of the Church Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Jason Day, and I connected with Adam Weber this week. Adam is the founder and lead pastor of Embrace, a multi-site church based out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which was named by Outreach Magazine as one of the fastest growing churches in the U.S. He also hosts a podcast called The Conversation and has written two books, including his latest entitled Love Has a Name, Learning to Love the Different, the Difficult, and Everyone Else. In this episode, Adam and I discuss the relationship between loving and leading including how to love difficult people in ministry. We talk about the dangers of loving generally rather than loving specifically, and Adam shares how active disciple-making is rooted in messy love. It's such a fantastic and encouraging episode with lots of personal stories, so please join me in my conversation with Adam Weber. Adam, welcome back to the Church Leaders Podcast. It is always good to hear from you, brother. Oh, it's an absolute joy, Jason. I think the world of you and uh, so grateful for the podcast and just the impact that it's had. Awesome, my friend. Now, before we dive right into our conversation, um, Adam, just want to quickly ask, how are you and your family doing during these kind of chaotic times? We're doing really, really well. Like uh, life is, it's, it's probably one of the sweetest seasons of my personal life as far as time with my wife, my kids, just even time with God has been really, really wonderful lately. So that's kind of the, the positive side. <laughs> the other side is ministry-wise, it's been discouraging. Mm. Uh, I think I think I'd be lying if I said anything else. And um, about once a week, I'm in a funk, and I just uh, I need a pep talk. And then every Monday, we've been we've had services now for a month and a half here. Uh, we're in South Dakota, so we've been socially distanced since the state was actually formed hundred <laughs> or so years ago. But but it's uh, it's 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 just different. One of my pastors uh, on staff, one of my closest friends, he said to me, "It feels like every part of my job that I love has been taken away." And so we're seeing so many cool God things, but I'd be lying if I didn't say uh, it's been discouraging in that way. And I, I, I think anybody who says it's not been slightly discouraging, um, I just wonder what they're drinking because, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just it's just unique time. But I, so I say discouraging, but also have been really just God just continues to move, and right. it might look it might look different, but He is at work. He wants to change hearts and lives. And he wants to use us. And so I, I don't want to stay in that discouraging mode, but I also want to say that because um, I'm usually a person who's pretty optimistic, so I can kind of gloss over most stuff. And I, I think it's just important just to acknowledge that. Yeah, yeah, Adam, it's great. And I appreciate the honesty. And I think it's important what you said. I mean, God is at work and we know that, um, but but it's 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 a weird time and it's okay to acknowledge that. Um, and, and like you said, not gloss over that, but just accept that, man, things are different. Um, but then, you know, encourage one another that even in, in some discouraging times, God is at work and we want to kind of really lean in and stay on mission, uh, see where he's at work. You know what I mean? Join him in that work. Um, so, so I appreciate you just kind of, you know, framing that up for us. And, and today's conversation, really, we're going to kind of focus on this idea of, of leadership and love. And, um, Adam, let's let's start with you know as, as pastors and ministry leaders, what what is this relationship between leading and loving? 
I think it's a vital part of leadership. And honestly, I feel like I'm a work in progress and because uh, I haven't always been great at both. Um, just to be totally candid, I feel like I am pretty quick and it's probably one of my very few strong suits is loving people, but I always haven't been the best at loving those who were closest to me. Mm. which is so crazy. And, and I, I kind of look back and I feel like I've grown so much in the last two years, but I think I didn't love the people closest to me because I loved the people that I was trying to reach. And so it, it's so crazy that that would be true. And yet I look back and I'm so passionate about Jesus and telling people about Jesus and seeing Jesus transform lives that oftentimes I haven't in the past done the best job at caring for those around me. And that's really, it's kind of a hard, humbling thing. I actually began to look at just where do I get that from? My dad is one of the most friendly people you'll ever meet. I mean, just I'm, everybody who meets me that knows my dad is like, your dad is just the best. And yeah, I can remember he's, he was an electrician before he retired. I can remember wiring houses with him in the summer. And when he was, in, when he was wiring houses, he didn't want to talk. He wanted to work. He, uh, I mean, he, he felt bad if the, like the homeowner was talking to him because he knew he was charging them for that time. Mm. And he just really wanted to work away from work, the most laid back, easygoing person ever. And that's really been true of me. And so for me, it's really taken a discipline approach. It, it takes discipline to me to ask the team around me, hey, how are you doing? And uh, hey, how's the weekend? Instead of like, hey, how's, the, how's that project coming? Right. Hey, um, did you have a chance to read that email? I mean, though, that's my default. And yet, I, I really more than ever, and this has been kind of a two-year journey on, on my, uh, for my life, at my funeral someday, I hope, sure, there's a, a person or two who mentions, oh, Adam, I heard you preach, or I read your book, or I did whatever. You know, that, that'd be great if, if some, uh, someone mentioned that online or something like that. But the people at my funeral that I want to be first to speak are my wife, my kids, my close friends, and my staff. I, I, I want them to say, Adam was so imperfect, and he was first to tell you that, but man, he loved me, and he loved Jesus. And yeah. I, so it's so critical, a critical part of leadership is loving the people around you and not treating them like robots or machines, but humans with a soul who, uh, who need to be cared for. Yeah, that's good. And, and Adam, you, you share story after story of individual people. Um, in your latest book, Love Has a Name. And, you know, every chapter is um, a chapter about a, a person or, or a handful of people. And as you're talking about this idea of loving, kind of ge loving generally versus loving specifically almost, um, yeah. talk to us a little bit. What What is the, the danger of loving kind of generally as opposed to loving specifically? Yeah. Anytime that we um, take a person and we no longer see a name or a story or a face, we turn them, we turn them, we, we're able to dehumanize people when we don't put a name on them. Um, I mean, just the cashier that's slow to get your food, the driver in front of you that's keeping you from your job, the frustrating coworker who you're just waiting for, like, just get the project to me. Anytime that we don't 
uh, see them as a human with a face, with a story, with a family, we begin to treat them differently. Even in our world right now, we're so polarized and you're able to do that much easier behind a screen where you can't see the other person. And so anytime that we start blurring faces, we start treating people like robots and machines instead of humans. And so that's why it's so important to get to know a person's name and their story. As leaders, we should know the stories of our staffs better than anyone. Again, that for me takes intentional discipline to do so. We should care about our people and their families and their marriages more than anyone. Again, that takes discipline. That takes intentionality for me. But again, anytime that we try to try to look at people generally and we are able to label them politically or they're our team or staff that works for us instead of, no, that's Travis that works for me. And his wife is Jess and they got five kids and they're, they're awesome family. That's actually a true story. My first full-time hire has five children right now. And I can't believe he has five kids, but I, so like I, so I, I, anytime that you just generalize people, whether it's your team, whether it's people in your church, you begin to dehumanize them instead of treating them as people with a name and a story. And when you put a name and a story with people, it's so much easier to love them. Even if they're really, really hard to love, it's like, oh my gosh, I, I now have feelings of compassion for that person who used to just frustrate me. I now have more understanding of them. Um, than I did before when they just got underneath my skin. It doesn't mean we still won't have hard conversations and have candid, candid conversations at that, but it changes everything when we begin to put a name with a person and a story with a person. Yeah, Adam, I'd like to dig in a little more um, on, on what you ended with there um, because it can feel difficult at times as pastors, as ministry leaders, um, to really love certain people that we're called to lead, you know, those who have gossiped about us or our family, um, those who have hurt us, those who stir up division in the church. It, it can be a real challenge, yet we're called to love them. Um, in fact, I, I've heard some say, uh, well, you know, I'll love them because I have to, but that doesn't mean I like them type of a thing, right? Yeah. Adam, as pastors, how do we love difficult people? Oof. You, uh, you're getting right to it. My gosh. Uh, for, for me personally, there's nobody harder to love um, than kind of the Pharisee Christian. Mm-hmm. And um, you kind of like that person who's maybe gossiping or division, like dividing churches or whatever it might be. Just those extra grace required people. I, I think for me, I have to, and this is going to be the cheesy pastor answer, but it's true. I have to be poured into by God and by others myself. Hmm. starting with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, like just God, I need to do that. One of my routines this summer, I'm actually nervous about my routine being changed if the kids go back to school. One of, one of my routines has been forcing myself to go sit with God for 45 minutes before I get go to the office. Like the, it's like the day is so busy. I have to spend this time with God because otherwise I have no ability to love people. I mean, it's, it, we have to, we're, we're humans with a soul as well. We're not robots. And so if we're not being poured into, if we don't have any flow of God and his love inside of us, it, we're not going to get very far and we're going to fail. And so how do we love different people? Um, it looks differently. Um, I, I think, I think first off there, there's certain people and I don't want this to be the cliche, uh, like kind of a, a scapegoat answer. 
um, who are toxic people. Uh, one of my favorite recent books is by Gary Thomas. He talks about toxic, basically toxic people and, mm-hmm. and all the different, all the different times that Jesus walked away from some people, you know, early on as a pastor, I think I was guilty of trying to make everyone like me. And so I, I would hold on to people way longer than I should have instead of blessing them and saying, Hey, I actually think this other church might be a better fit and not saying it in a jaded way. Um, we, we, we say it in a jaded way when we've hung on to them and we've tried so long to hang on to people and then they leave, then we get jaded. But if just in a healthy way, Hey, I feel like what you're looking for is this over here. That's a lot harder to have up front. And yet it's so much healthier. Um, there's other times that love, one of the chapters I talk about, love doesn't always look like love. Sometimes love is having a really hard conversation. Um, you know, if it is gossip, if it is someone who's causing destruction, uh, sometimes love is, doesn't always look like love. And it's, hey, we need to have a hard conversation because um, I'm hearing some things and I just want to talk with them. Do you have any questions that I can answer? Uh, I, I think also when it comes to loving people in our church, um, it, it's, it, it takes the supernatural power of God. Thankfully, the same God who raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us. Um, we need to remind ourselves again and again and again. Um, because otherwise, when people hurt us, we'll hurt them back. When people post about us, we won't post about them because that'd be unpastor like we passive aggressively post about them. Mm. And we, 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 we try to go around and we gossip about them just like they gossip about us. And for me, those are the moments that will test, test the love of Jesus inside you like never before. Because that's not our response as followers of Jesus or as pastors. And so in those moments, it's like, okay, God, how can I process this hurt, this pain in a healthy way? What hard conversations do I have to have? Um, I think something, uh, again, that face-to-face, which is a little bit interesting, maybe it's Zoom screen to Zoom screen, <laughs> um, but it's, I'm always amazed by how you'll get a letter from somebody or a, an email from somebody who sounds like they're ready to burn your house down. And you're just like, oh my gosh, like, whoa, I've never even met you. And you're irate at me. And then when you get away from the screen, like, again, right now it's a Zoom, you're face to face, like on a Zoom. When you see the person face to face in person or on a screen, their demeanor totally changes. It's like you were throwing lightning at me by email. And now that we're face to face, you seem like a wonderful person that's yeah. just slightly, <laughs> slightly irritated. And so again, that, that gets, that gets the da- down to um, getting to know a person's name, mm. getting to know their story. What, where is, what, where is this frustration coming from? Sometimes you'll hear it and it might be hard because your church dropped the ball and you, you dropped the ball and it's right. like, man, if someone did that to me, I'd be pretty upset. Mm-hmm. So there's that, that understanding that comes from the other person. And hopefully there's an understanding that the other person has from you. Um, just even owning, hey, uh, I told you I was going to show up that day. And I totally, completely stood you up. Hey, I, I'm sorry. Uh, that doesn't excuse it, but I'm really sorry. A, a lot of times just an I'm sorry when it's, it's you actually are sorry, just pops all the bitterness. It's like a giant balloon just pops right in front of you. And then the other person's like, you know, actually, I'm going through this thing in my private life, and I probably overreacted myself. Right. And and, and that's not always the case. Again, right. sometimes you're going to have a toxic person who legitimately is just out to get you. Um, but but a majority of the time, if you can sit down, 
have a conversation, get to know a person's name, get to know their story. Things begin to change for the other person and also for you. Right, right. And, and, that, and that's why that's so important to, to make that time and to go that, that extra step to getting to the person's story, getting to, to understanding what's going on in their life, what's, what, you know, what, what they're experiencing, because you could be just getting the brunt of, of you know, frustrations that they're experiencing in completely different ways in their personal life. And you yes. just happen to, you know, as the pastor of the church, uh, you just happen to be the one that that caught it and and that so walked into it exactly. And so this this idea of loving, you know, really, really plays closely to the idea of grace, right? Because as as yes. we love, we're able to, and, and as we love specifically, as we know someone's name, as we know their story, it's easier for us to extend grace, and and hopefully, as you mentioned, that that is reciprocated you know they can they can then extend grace back because there's that relationship um which which is key which which i think is super important when we're talking about our, our you know our, our church family you know the people god's entrusted to us as a spiritual family but adam i'd, I'd love to to talk a little bit about this idea of living lives of love and how that impacts people you know, outside of our church, how that impacts people who might be far from God, people who are uh, disillusioned with uh, with the church, you know, with, with Jesus. Um, we're called to make disciples. So Adam, talk to us about how is um, loving others, and this sounds like a, you know, like a no-brainer question, but I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about this idea of how is loving others related to actually making disciples? Yeah, I that, that's a, that's a that's a great question. I I think um, a, a couple different things that kind of float through my mind um, before I even get to the answer. I, I it, as a pastor or as a leader, it's easier and easier to become a professional Christian, and um, it's easier and easier to have a huge divide of I preach on Sundays and then I just have my own family and a few close friends, hmm. rather than actually living it out. On your day-to-day basis and and one of the things i think is so important is as pastors and leaders we should constantly be rubbing shoulders with people who have no idea who we are and don't care who we are i mean they're they don't go to church they don't want to go to church there are there our neighbor that has bills to pay and a lawn that needs to be mowed and i i think hopefully there's acts of love um in hebrews it's it talks about stir one another on to acts of love and good works Mm. um that should be true in our lives we should we should be living that out um discipleship wise so one of my what actually my favorite chapter in the book uh the kind of the heartbeat is is love is more than a theory it's really really messy uh, something I've noticed about kind of our discipleship in a lot of ways in the churches, and, and I'm talking even embrace, I'm not throwing stones. We don't have nothing figured out, but it almost feels like the, the longer you follow Jesus, the cleaner your life becomes. The longer you follow Jesus, the nicer your lawn becomes. The, <laughs> the longer you follow Jesus, the more moral uh, the people are that you hang out with. Like The longer you follow Jesus, the cleaner, the safer, the more sanitized it becomes. Which, which feels like the opposite of Jesus. Mm. Um, I mean, he's constantly hanging out with people and he gets criticized for hanging out with people who are messy. They're, they got caught in affairs. They're outcast by their own family. They're tax collectors. I mean, just all these random people. So it almost feels like the opposite. It, and it feels like we, 
we almost be get discipled in theory. Like, uh, oh, I, I, yeah, loving, loving others. And uh, I'm going to go home and close the garage door right behind me so I don't have to talk to my weird neighbor that's out front who didn't go to church. You know, like, right. it's, just so, it's just weird. I'm like, shouldn't it be the opposite? Instead of being, like, I was so good in theory at parenting before I had kids. <laughs> and I was, I was great at marriage before I got married. And I knew everything about being a pastor until I became a pastor. Right. And, and it's like, a, but all throughout, all throughout the Gospels specifically, people will know you follow me by the way you love one another. And anybody can love anybody, but how, what about your enemy? I mean, it's just all messy. And so I think a key part of the discipleship process is uh, who are you loving? Hmm. Is, is uh, you know, and more than a post, I feel like right now we're in this, like, make sure you post the right things and post the same things. And then you still go back to your garage door that you close. Hmm. It's like, no, shouldn't we actually be loving people? And like the people that I just posted about, do I have any person like that in my life? And, and if not, that's a, that should be a predicament that we're really struggling with, um, that we're really wrestling with. And I, again, it comes down to discipleship. Uh, hey, and this might not, not be true. And I am a person, who, I cannot be more and in, get in scripture on a regular basis. Right now I'm going through the gospel of Luke. But I think sometimes Jesus is like, hey, uh, you all you do is study the Bible, and that's awesome because you're. I'm not here in the flesh, but my followers didn't, and they just loved people. Hmm. And uh, so again, you don't take that to extreme. They're, right, like, right. I I cannot be more orthodox in Christianity, but it's like uh, I want to I want to go deeper. Okay, uh, that single parent on your block, care for him. No, no, no. I don't think you heard me. I want to go. I want to go deeper. Right, right. Yeah, that that single parent. I can't because I'm, I'm at my, uh, I'm at this or that. Maybe I need to cancel this or that. I, I want to go deeper. Um, well, you should give away money. Oh, I already actually, I actually give away like eight percent to my church. Well, that's great. Well, you should tie it there, and then you should give away five percent over here. Mm-hmm. Well, I, oh, what? What? No, I want to. I don't. I want to get to the deep stuff. Well, then go give away ten percent. Mm-hmm. It's like. But I think that's that messiness. Uh, I want to go deeper. Well, then forgive that person who wronged you. Well, I don't want that. It's like, well, Jesus, 70 times seven, he kind of talked about that. Yeah, I, I just, I kind of just want to learn the Greek about it. And, right. and I, I, just, I, I think, again, I'm like, it's so good in theory. The other, other day, um, so my youngest son, Anderson, we talked about this before. He got he got glasses just like me the other day. I just had to say that because it, it was like one of the most proud moments in my life. <laughs> but um, I, I was thinking about discipleship the other day. Um, uh, so I, lo- I I mow my lawn. That's one of the things that Becky has said that I'm in charge of at her house. So I mow the lawn. And anytime I mow the lawn, my five-year-old son, Anderson, grabs his fake plastic mower and he starts mowing with me. Mm-hmm. And I don't even ask him. It's one of my favorite things that, he, that we do together. And I mean, if he hears me mowing, like if I get up early and he's still maybe in bed and I'm mowing, he'll come down, put his clothes on and come out with his mower. And he, he follows me the entire lawn. And we got quite a few hills and there's some interesting slants. And it's interesting that he'll start seeing how I do like some of the slopes and hills and stuff. 
and he'll do the same exact thing. Hmm. Um, I started thinking about discipleship. I think oftentimes discipleship, what we do is like, hey, Anderson, actually you can't. Um, can you go inside? I, I got it in the shelf somewhere. The manual for the lawnmower is right in there. <laughs> right. But, but dad, I really like, I like coming out with you. I know, but if you just want to study the manual, but, but dad, like, uh, I really just want to hang out with you and like, I can learn. Uh, I, I so often I'm like, do we spend our entire lives reading just the manual? Again, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't know why I've just been on this lately. And then we turn 25, Anderson's 25. And he's like, Hey, I wish you knew the manual like me. Because I actually, there's actually things that were not in the manual that I learned a different translation of. And uh, let me tell you this and this and this. But have you ever mowed the lawn? Right. No, not, not gotten to that. But let me tell you how prideful I am and how much I know the manual. And I look at Anderson and I'm just like, he is learning to mow the lawn because he's actually physically doing it. And so I've just really been on this discipleship thing. The Reading the manual is critical. If you... Uh, don't mix oil in your weed eater. You're going to have issues. And mm-hmm. then if you do mix your oil in your lawnmower, it's going to be more issues. <laughs> like there's, there's things that are critical in the manual that it's like you need to read that. Otherwise, you're going to mess your mower up and nothing's going to happen. So that's so critical. But I think I'm just like when it comes to loving people, like in a rich way, not in a surface, fluffy, fairy tale love sort of way, but when we <laughs> really are learning and loving people, I think a lot of, I think a better discipleship process is just grabbing that plastic mower and starting mowing. And then when your muscles get big enough uh, and you can have a real mower, because right now it'd be dangerous. I don't know if this analogy breaks down, but it'd be dangerous for Anderson to actually push a full fledged mower. But man, he's going to be, he's going to know how to do a hill before he even actually has a, a powered mower because he's been doing it now for years. And I, I just, I think there's something there specifically in the area of love and um, I, I just think there's something there. And in that chapter, in that chapter, um, so uh, there, I had a neighbor who lived right behind me. Again, this is my favorite chapter in the book, who moved in. And as soon as he moved in, uh, our neighborhood became the most active drug house, one of the most active drug houses in Sioux Falls. In my, it's in my, I mean, my, my garage is closer to this house than I am. And um, so, I mean, we're, we're finding needles in our grass. We're finding condoms. I mean, we're finding everything. My kids are getting an education for free. Hmm. And um, it's like, okay, Adam, um, but uh, Adam, I want you to love that guy. His name's Bill. You need to love him. And so it's like, uh, okay, I don't really want to love him. And every day I just kind of felt like, hey, you should probably go initiate a conversation with him. So we became friends actually came to my church a couple of times and everything. I would see them and I got to the point that I couldn't wait to talk with them. Mm. All the while, trash is constantly showing up everywhere. I'm picking up a bag of trash about every other day from people who stop by. I mean, it's just a disaster. And uh, one one Sunday after church, I came out and he said, "Um, you've probably noticed some traffic out here. And I knew he knew me well enough that I I wasn't condemning him. Right. And I, I said, some traffic? (laughs) he said what do you mean and i was like we have more traffic back here than walmart does he's like what and i I said uh i've actually thought about stopping back here and um giving you guys some some tips on how to sell drugs and not get caught (laughs) and he he starts he gave me like look like were you kidding me like and i I, he's like i'm trying to i'm trying to 
keep my, my act clean. I'm, I'm trying to get back on track. And I said, man, I'll be praying for that. And um, he's like, I'm just trying to make better decisions. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I'll, I'll, I absolutely will be praying for you. And he's like, and you probably know I'm on the sex offender list. Huh. And I, I said, actually, I, I didn't. And he's like, but I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And you're going to read it, and it's going to say I did things with little kids, and I didn't do it, and whatever. It was one of those moments where I'm like, wow. I don't know if I want to know this information. Right. We shook, we shook hands. I went inside, and because I'm the father of four young children, uh, I, I, I actually have checked it from time to time, but I had it for a little bit. I checked it, and sure enough, he was on it. And his name's not Bill, by the way. I'm changing his name. And um, so I, I looked it up, and sure enough, it was the offense with was little little kids. And so I tell Becky, and I, I'm like, okay, um, we need to have a very serious conversation with the kids, but I do not want to treat Bill differently. Hmm. And she said, okay. So I brought the kids together, and I said, okay, kids, what's the rules when you go back to our garage? Who can go back there? Um, we can go back there only if we have one brother and or one sister with us. Okay, and what do you say if somebody invites you? Uh, you I had to talk to my parents first. I'm like, we're drilling them with questions. Right. And they're like, why are you asking us this? And I'm like, none of your business. <laughs> and so, again, so I don't want to belittle, like, the truth part of this conversation is critical. My number one priority is watching over my kids and protecting my kids. Mm -hmm. But, again, I did not want to treat Bill any different personally. And that's really, really messy. I mean, here's a man who's not just uh, uh, at the bottom of society. He's at the bottom if he's in prison. Right. And yet he's made in the image of God. And so mm. what does it look like to love my kids well and also love Bill? I'll be honest. I, I probably called Bill while he lived there. I probably called the cops on him 20 or more times. Anytime that it sounded like someone was going to get killed, not figuratively, literally in my backyard, wow. anytime that there was a drug deal that I knew was a drug deal, I called the cops every single time. And partly for my kids' sake, partly for the neighborhood's sake, but I actually started thinking about it more. The number one reason I called the cops on Bill was for Bill. Because hmm. I just started thinking the one thing he told me that day was he wanted to get back on track. Right. And he wanted to make better decisions. And sometimes the best thing that can get happen to us, uh, I had a parent tell me the best thing that can happen to my kids is they got caught really, really quickly. Hmm. And I, I, I started thinking about that for Bill. But again, it came back to is, is love a theory you preach at them on Sundays to make it sound nice? Or is love something you live out and it's messy and it's hard and it's truth and it's grace and it's truth and it's messy? Um, I, Bill taught me so much about what it looks like to follow Jesus. And he didn't even, he didn't even know that he did. And kind of the cool, beautiful part of the story, uh, they, they ended up moving out. Um, and I was legitimately sad that they left. I would have never thought I'd say such a thing, but I was legitimately sad that they left. We ended up selling our lake cabin and buying the drug house behind us. And as we speak, it is almost finished and we're going to do an Airbnb with it. Um, and, but our main hope is that uh, friends that are going through hard times will be able to have an opportunity to offer them a place to stay. And it's as we've been restoring this house the last year, I keep praying that God would restore the person that comes through the doors and that this messy house that used to have a messy man um, would restore people who are currently in a mess. And it's been kind of cool because I think the person that God has restored the most through this house has been my own self. Wow. Um, listening to podcasts, um, 
there's been several times where I've listened to a preacher preach as I was painting a wall and I found myself sobbing Mm. and, um, it was, it's just been good for the soul as someone who's only a pastor, uh, and, you know, sits behind a desk and meets with people for coffee. Sometimes the best therapy is getting, um, physically using my body and connecting with God that way. Yeah, that's good. That's a powerful story, brother, because love love isn't necessarily easy. Um, oh. it love's very messy, as you've explained. It, it, but, but the important thing to remember is that we can't shy away from it because it is messy, right? We can't shy away from oh. it because it's not always easy. Like we have to step into it, step into that mess, as you've shared, um, in order to really honor God. And as you said, we we are transformed as we do that, as we put ourselves out there. Um, we, we experience, um, some incredible blessings from God, uh, not and and again, it's just a beautiful way that God works, you know, people that were loving, um, they get to experience that, but, uh, but then God does a work in us as well. So it's beautiful, brother. I, I love it. Yeah. Man. Well, and hopefully our churches are reaching people who are messy. And if yeah. we have one, per- if we have one person in the church, uh, even though if they look perfect, they are, it is, it does have messy people in it. Um, which is a good reminder. And, and really back to that loving person, the, the, the loving the person for me, as I said, the hardest person for me to love, no, to, no doubt times 10,000 is the Pharisee Christian. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I read, I can remember I was on Twitter one day and I was kind of in the midst of having an air conversation between myself and imaginary Pharisee Christian. And I was just angry. And I was like on my high horse, like, who are they? And Jesus would call them out. And um, Scott Saul's post some, posted something. He said, uh, the Pharisee Christian is the, um, f- um, the person who doesn't extend grace to Pharisees. Yeah. <laughs> and Thanks. I was like, oh, crap, he's Thanks, talking Scott. about yeah. me. <laughs> and uh, I was doing the same thing that I was upset with this group of people um, back to them. And that's not, that's not Christ. Mm. Jesus called out Pharisees, but he still loved them. Right. I, just, I just wanted to call them out. Yeah, that's good, brother. That's good. Awesome, man. This has been a great conversation. Um, if you can, uh, Adam, if you'd let us know, where can people connect with you and how can they learn more about your um, your new book? Yeah, so you can find the book uh, anywhere books are sold. You can find it uh, on Amazon, Target, Walmart, Barnes & Noble, so you can find it anywhere there. And um, again, it's such an honor for me to be able to share these 27 names and these 27 stories that are in the book. Um, you can also find kind of what I do at adamweber.com. Uh, I'm on social media. I think I'm on everything except TikTok, and I'm not sure if TikTok will be around very long anyways, but <laughs> I, um, you, I'm most active on Instagram and Twitter. So you can find me on Instagram at Adam A. Weber uh, and on Twitter at just Adam Weber. And I'd be thrilled and honored um, to cross paths with you. If there's something that I can specifically pray for you um, over the years, it's been pretty cool. The amount of people have just randomly reached out and I always do my, my best to just stop right then and there and actually pray for the person. And so if that's you, I'd be thrilled to do that with you. Awesome, brother. Well, I certainly appreciate you. Love um, your, your latest book, Love Has a Name, Learning to Love the Different, the Difficult, and Everyone Else. So I encourage people to pick up a copy of that. And as always, it is a, a joy to hang out with you, brother, and um, and just to hear how God's at work in your life and through your life. So thank you for being with us. Yeah, Jason, the same with you. Thanks for being the real deal. And thanks for being someone who pours in and administers to so many leaders and pastors all across the country and world. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. 
Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. We hope you are finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast, and if so, we would appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcast so they can benefit as well. Thank you in advance. And if you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send an email to podcast at churchleaders.com or connect with me on Twitter. You can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app, available for both Apple and Android. So be sure to check out FaithPlay. Until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well, and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.